The Jets made a trade yesterday. No, not that one, but it's one that impacts up to four teams in the NFL. That's the focus of today's TDN Daily. And welcome into the Thursday edition of the TDN Daily Podcast. Chris Schuber back with you here once again on the show. Hope everyone is having a great start to their Thursday uh, a little midday show here for you today. And the New York Jets active once again. They made a trade. No, not the trade that we are all waiting for. Finally ending the deal with the Green Bay Packers for Aaron Rodgers. But one that many people think could get them closer to getting that deal done. They move Elijah Moore to the Cleveland Browns in a trade that maybe on the surface level doesn't feel like it could be a big-time move. But I think it impacts four different teams. It involves two teams in the deal and two teams outside of the deal, and that is what we are going to focus on here today. So for those of you who maybe didn't see, although I'd be surprised if that was the case by now, the Browns and Jets made the swap. Elijah Moore going from New York uh, to the Cleveland Browns, but he's not going alone. The number 74 pick in the 2023 NFL Draft will be going with him, and the Browns are sending back pick number 42. So the New York Jets now will be picking, at least as of this juncture, pick 42 and 43 in the second round. So they have their first round pick, pick 13. They've now added a second, second round pick, so they'll be picking twice uh, in that round, at least as of this juncture. So the Browns get their wide receiver that they were looking for. The Jets add additional draft capital. So let's First, evaluate this from those two teams, and then we'll look at the spider web that I think it creates with two other teams in particular. We start with the Cleveland Browns. We know the Cleveland Browns have been interested in requiring wide receiver help uh, for their team. Last year, it was Amari Cooper who they brought in via a trade, which was just a fleece of a deal that they were able to pull off with the Dallas Cowboys to bring Amari Cooper in, but they still feel like they need an additional weapon, so they go out and get the speedy Elijah Moore from the New York Jets. We know they've poked around uh, with the Broncos and Jerry Judy. Hint, hint, that might be a team we'll talk about uh, a little bit later on in the show. So the Browns clearly went into this offseason wanting to address a need, wanting to go down the path of getting another wide receiver, and when you look at who is out there... Are they really going to go down the path of an Odell Beckham Jr. reunion? No, probably not. But they've got this team in place. They're paying Deshaun Watson all that money. They looked at year one of, of him coming back from his suspension, and they said that first year we'll probably look at that as a, as a warm-up, as him just getting back into the swing of playing football after being off for 700-plus days at that point. And so this second year is really where they I think they expect to be the team that they were trying to put together when they made the trade uh, for Deshaun Watson. And so getting Elijah Moore gives him another weapon there to go along with Amari Cooper. So we know what they have in the running game with Nick Chubb. We know they have a good offensive line that can protect the quarterback. And Elijah Moore now paired up with Amari Cooper. They feel that that's going to be their, their one-two combination uh, at the wide receiver situation. Now we can look at this from the Jets' perspective. The Jets trading away Elijah Moore. Well, there has been a lot of investments the Jets have made over the last couple of seasons into that position, right? We look at they signed Corey Davis, who's still on the roster, at least as of this moment, only making $10 million for next season. We know what they did with the number 10 overall pick uh, a year ago. They used it on the offensive rookie of the year in Garrett Wilson, who is clearly the wide receiver one of this football team. They have also, this offseason, signed Alan Lazard to a four-year deal. They just signed a deal earlier in the day before they made 
made this trade with Cleveland. They signed Michael Hardman, and we know they're poking around with Odell Beckham Jr. to potentially bring him back to New York, although in the other locker room there in East Rutherford, New Jersey, uh, but bringing him into New York to play with their hopeful eventual quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. So they've been very, very active in terms of reshaping their wide receiver room. You also need to factor in, and this is probably a part of this, Elijah Moore during the season requesting a trade in the midst of a three-game winning streak, while his numbers maybe not what they were in his first year, was not maybe performing to those levels of expectations that I think a lot of Jets fans had for him in 2022. It's a guy that was just a second-round pick in 2021. But for the Jets, it may it may be a matter. They may have felt uh, some type of way about him making that trade demand when he did, when the team was kind of rolling, when things were kind of going very well for them. They were on a three-game winning streak, and he was kind of complaining about his role in the offense, about his production at a time when the Jets were playing some pretty good football. And so maybe I know that the Jets and, and a lot of people said, well, the, the main reason that Elijah Moore was upset was because of the quarterback play, was because of the offensive coordinator, and those two things are not going to be the same in 2023. But again, it is a tough look for a guy that in the midst of a three-game winning streak, he does make that trade request, does make that complaint, had, had to be a away from the team for a day or two, missed a day of practice, was excused, and so the Jets may have felt We've got Garrett Wilson, we've got Alan Lazard, we've got Michael Hardman, Odell Beckham Jr. might be coming in, uh, Elijah, we didn't like the way you handled yourself, we're going to send you uh, away, and they get a second round pick, and this is the part of the deal that allows us to introduce the first team I want to talk about here today, because everybody, this was a universal takeaway from this move yesterday, that when the Jets were able to acquire the 42nd pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, everybody immediately said, oh, there you go. That's the Jets acquiring a draft pick because they are going to send that pick to the Green Bay Packers for Aaron Rodgers. They've now got two second-round picks, so they can either offer one of those and still be able to stay where they're at, or they could offer both of those, which, by the way, if you added those two up, I think it values to like the 19th pick in the draft if you look at a trade value chart. So they could offer the Green Bay Packers the equivalent of picking 19th in the draft, so the Packers could pick 15th. They would have the two second-round picks, and that could be the thing that gets them over the top with Aaron Rodgers. Now, I don't want to push back completely at the risk of being old takes exposed here, but I will do it because I am not so sure that this move was meant to completely thaw out the process with the Green Bay Packers. Because I think, and if you, all you have to do is look at the way Joe Douglas has handled himself time and time again in this process as the general manager of the New York Jets. When he tries to make a trade, when he tries to acquire a player, you can look at this. We are on the one-year anniversary of Tyreek Hill going from the Kansas City Chiefs to the Miami Dolphins, and we know that the Jets were interested in that. The Jets made an offer for Tyreek Hill. They were not willing to go above what they offered. Their offer was accepted by the Kansas City Chiefs, and then Tyreek Hill uh, picked Miami instead. When Joe Douglas makes a trade or wants to acquire a player, he has a bar. This goes for free agency. It goes for trades. It, it does not matter what it is, whether it's dollars, whether it's draft picks, whatever the case may be. There is a limit to what he is willing to go. He arbitrarily goes into it saying, this is what I think the top line value is, and I will not surpass this mark. Sometimes that means he's able to get the player that he wants or able to make the trade that he wants, and in other cases it means a player like Maybe let's say a Marcus Williams goes and plays someplace else. Just one example of a player that the Jets have been interested in in, in off-seasons past, and it didn't really work out because of the dollar amount. And they're okay with that. Joe Douglas and the Jets are okay with that being their mindset. At least that's what they say publicly and certainly feels that way with the way that they conduct themselves. So I don't think that Joe Douglas sat up here and said, I'm going to trade Elijah Moore for a second-round pick so I can now go meet the asking price of the Green Bay Packers. I think Joe Douglas is doing what Joe Douglas has always done 
as the general manager of the New York Jets, and that is put his team in the mo- in the best position to be as flexible as possible. So they do have those picks at their disposal if they want to go down that road, but I think it's more as likely they could take those two picks and re-put themselves back into the first round once again if a player really starts to fall out on the board that they like. You saw him do it with Jermaine Johnson. You saw him trade up in the top of the second round for Brees Hall, and again, I, I got to tell you, when you look at the Jets the last couple of years, their second round picks, Brees Hall they've taken in the second round. Uh, they've taken uh, Elijah Moore in the second round, so they've found, they found some value with those second round picks, and so the Jets probably want to keep as many of those as possible. So I am not so sure that this immediately means that the Jets made this trade so that they could free up a draft pick to be able to send it to Green Bay because they could have just very easily put Elijah Moore in a deal with the Green Bay Packers who was a second-round pick and would be a, a nice addition to Christian Watson there in Green Bay, and you certainly know that Green Bay wants wide receiver help. So why would you trade an asset that you can immediately send to Green Bay and help expedite this process, and instead you're going to reroute it through a third team to get a draft pick to be able to send that to Green Bay? And maybe Green Bay doesn't like Elijah Moore, but ultimately if, if they wanted a wide receiver, Elijah Moore on your roster, uh, I think that makes the most sense. What really probably happened here is Green Bay and New York are still not agreeing on everything. They still not have come to terms on what this framework is going to look like. The Jets probably want to get Odell Beckham Jr. done. They need to free up some cap to be able to do that. And they want to figure out what their roster is going to look like. So they capitalize while they're still in a position of strength, get a second-round pick, and now they can go finish the deal with Odell Beckham Jr. I do not think either of those two second-round picks will be in a prospective deal for Aaron Rodgers. Just my two cents. I think everyone is very much overlooking this market. Those are the two teams that were involved in the trade. Now we've got to look at the two teams that I think this impacts around this trade, and I've kind of already hinted at one of them. I think it's the Green Bay Packers, because there is an assumption here that this is going to thaw the relations between the two sides to be able to get this deal done, because now the Jets have more draft capital. While yes, I think that is the case, and while I I, I think this could maybe be the start of creating some urgency in that regard, because both teams want this to be done sooner rather than later. I still think the Jets have a little bit more leverage than the Green Bay Packers do because at the end of the day, Green Bay is not going to stick themselves with the $60 million cap commitment, the $60 million dollar commitment that is going to be owed to Aaron Rodgers for the 2023 season. So ultimately, this needs to get done. That puts a little bit more of the leverage, I think, in the Jets' side of things. So with that being said, now that the Jets are making other moves, they're showing they're building this roster, they're showing they're doing other stuff, this does impact the Packers because now it's not as if the Jets aren't active. It's not as if the Jets are just waiting, sitting around waiting for you. It does make the Packers look like they're maybe holding these things up a little bit. Now, maybe they don't care, but ultimately they're going to want to get this done sooner rather than later because the longer this drags out, the more questions they're going to be asked. You don't know how Jordan Love is going to feel about all this. You just want to get the situation over. You want to turn the page. You want to start a new chapter. So I think this trade could potentially kickstart some things where the Packers realize, hey, the Jets are not, they're, they're making moves. They're continuing to better their team. And then maybe they've got some more draft capital. Maybe that makes them pick up the phone and say, hey, let's get this done. We want this trade piece. And the Jets go, nope, we're not going to give you this trade piece. We'll give you this one. Maybe it's a third or a fourth or so. Uh, pick with some conditions on it. And again, there is an arbitrary timeline on this. If the Green Bay Packers want draft capital in 2023, they need to get this done sooner rather than later. So maybe this will start, kickstart, different ways that they could workshop this. Again, I don't think the two second round picks are in there, but when you have more assets, you can start to maybe play around with some different permutations the way that this could look like uh, and, and to get this deal done. The other team, the fourth team that I want to talk about here that I think this deal implicates at least a little bit, and that is the Broncos. There have been talks of teams inquiring about Jerry Judy and his availability, and it had been rumored that the going rate, the going asking price that the Broncos had had on Jerry Judy was a first-round pick. There were also reports floated out that the Browns, despite not having a first-round pick this year, were still interested in offering draft capital to get Jerry Judy, and the thoughts maybe were that they were going to offer up their second-round pick in addition to some other stuff. Well, they clearly now just used their second-round pick 
to get Elijah Moore in a third, so they don't have that pick at their disposal anymore. And what this does, while maybe the Broncos weren't necessarily going to take a second-round pick from the Cleveland Browns, it does remove a team that could have been interested in Jerry Judy services, that could have been interested of coming to the table. And so while maybe they're asking for a first-round pick, if the Denver Broncos could get a bunch of teams to call them up and say, hey, we'll offer you a second-round pick, then they can take all those second-round offers and pit them against each other and say, look, this is, you know, we, we everyone's kind of on the same footing. Who's going to go above and beyond and offer that a little extra? And maybe they can kind of push it into getting more than just a second and then ultimately maybe push it into getting a first. This is the chess match that gets played between all these teams when you get multiple offers, you pit those offers against each other, and you try to put yourself in the best position to succeed. Well, now you've removed a team from that mix. I think one would question how diligently the Broncos are probably um, looking at offers. They'll probably answer the phone if a phone call comes in from a prospective general manager who's interested. But at the end of the day, I think Jerry Judy being on the Denver Broncos makes them a better football team in 2023 than whatever draft capital they could get to then potentially replace Jerry Judy in 2023. And I would love to probably see a year of Jerry Judy in a Sean Payton run offense with Russell Wilson, who's going to probably be healthier. He's got a year under his belt. They can make some adjustments. They've invested in the offensive line. They're probably going to be a different unit than they were in 2023. I would maybe want to see that through before I entertain offering him, uh, but entertain trading him. But hey, if, they, if that offer that you just can't refuse and that offer you think is going to infinitely be able to make your team better when you, if you get another first round pick then so be it you can go down that road but when you remove teams from the mix again you, you probably look at it if a Kansas City or a New England uh, trades for DeAndre Hopkins you would take them out of the mix as well so every one of these dominoes that fall changes the picture it changes the math for all of these other teams so you can add a bunch of teams to the mix of who this trade impacts but again just looking to the Jerry Judy perspective I looked at this and said hey now the Denver Broncos are out of that are the uh, Cleveland Browns are now out of the mix on Jerry Judy what does that do to the Jerry Judy market ultimately I think it probably leans towards Jerry Judy staying in Denver but we've had a lot of information happen over the last couple of days and this trade yesterday uh, was another big one I got a text message uh, from a friend saying that uh, you know the Jets made a move they got they fleeced him and I'm like oh of course I step out of the house for two seconds and uh, look what happens the, the Jets finally get the Aaron Rodgers trade done nope it was this trade stepped out of the house for two seconds and the Jets make a major move but a, a trade that I think has some ripple effects throughout the league and hopefully can create some other moves again the Jets and Packers got to get that Aaron Rodgers deal done sooner rather than later. That is going to do it for us here on the Thursday edition of the podcast. I want to thank you for making this show a part of your day. Uh, thanks to all the rating, reviewing, subscribing that you're doing. The sharing of the show it is greatly appreciated. It helps us continue to grow this show, uh, and we are seeing some great growth here over the last couple of weeks. So we want to continue that going into the final month of the NFL draft cycle and then into the summer months with uh, with training camp previews and everything that we'll be able to bring you when that happens. So appreciate you making this show a part of your day. I hope everybody has a great rest of their Thursday. I'll talk to you all tomorrow.